Welcome, wrestling fans, to the second part of June of 1995. I'm one of your co-hosts, Bobby Fisher, and on the line with me, as always, is my co-host, WrestleMom extraordinaire, Leith Gray. Hello. <laughs> and we're also joined by the a member of the Chikara roster, Travis Huckabee. Yeah, I missed you guys. <laughs> yes, yes. We, it's we, been too long. It's been so long <laughs> since we since we last recorded. So, <laughs> welcome everybody. If you're listening to this, we're going to be talking. This is our second uh, episode for June of 1995, where we're going to be talking Extreme Championship Wrestling and World Championship Wrestling. But before we jump into that, we want to talk with our guest, Travis, and just talk a little bit about uh, what's going on with him. And, Leith, I believe you have some questions. I do. Do you want me to ask them now? I, yes. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh, ask them. Yeah, I guess that, that's how that works. Yeah, you know, you never know. Uh, let's see, Travis, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self who's just starting his training, what advice would you give him? Oh goodness. That's a that's a tough question. That really is because so much has changed since then. Um really try to get to know everyone that you get to work with. I, uh, if you just look at the Chikara roster, for example, there's been such crazy turnover with people, mm-hmm. and some of them went off and did great things, you know, Ruby Riot, Drew Gulak, uh, a handful of others, so just try to make the most of those relationships, a lot of, a lot of people are out there trying to help you. And you can learn a lot from them. I will say that was probably one of the big highlights of getting to watch Fastlane was watching Ruby Riot versus Charlotte. It it was it was so cool. Um, yeah. I this is gonna be me uh me cheeseballing uh, <laughs> for a second, but right before she had left. She uh, she stuck around to help out with one of our tiered classes at the Wrestle Factory. Um, yeah. so of course I stuck around too, just mm-hmm. get that the work in. But that's pretty typical for me. So on her way out, she uh, she had kind of tried to give a little piece of advice to anyone who she had known there. Um, get her a little two cents out before she left. Um, and she had told me, uh, this was right after I debuted, she made a comment about, like, my gear mm-hmm. and the style that I wrestled with, and she told me that, uh, if I could, I should try to do the no knee pads look, because that's how a lot of the old World of Sport guys used to do it. They didn't have uh, knee pads. Right. And she said that I had the quads for it. So I cheeseballed so hard at that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was fantastic to get to see her uh, 
go off and be successful. Yeah, Ruby Ruby Riot is just phenomenally talented, and mm-hmm. I I think when my wife and I were getting to that point where you know it was her last match, I think against Drew Gulak, right? Am I remembering? Oh. At Chikara, I think her last match was against uh, Eric Cannon. That's over it. Yeah. Seventeen. You're right. My apologies. So we we watched her last match, and it was it was very bittersweet knowing that she was going to go to the WWE, and it's like you're, you're really happy for her because I mean she's talented and she deserves it. Like she's she's great, and at the same time, it's just like. Again, it's very bittersweet because it's just you want to see you want to see someone do well, right? Like you want to see someone succeed, and it's just it's it's weird getting to that point watching watching her leave for uh, you know like something getting getting like a big call up like that. Mm-hmm. Right. I did. You know, it, I'm sorry. Go on. Oh uh, no! I was gonna say it, it is hard to to kind of lose your favorites. Like I felt like the same way when like Drew left, and he still had he still had matches that were were supposed to be coming up, but because of his obligations to WWE, he had to cancel them. So I didn't get that. I d- I didn't know the last time I was seeing him live was gonna be like the last time I was seeing him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like bittersweet, for sure. Uh, I was just going to say that I was lucky enough to bump into Ruby down at New Orleans. Uh, while I was down there, I got to bump into her, say hi. I still see, I still hear from Drew every once in a while. So that does help. And it's just great to see those guys doing good. Right. Uh, that, that does kind of sort of lead into the the next questions um would you say in general like like is it harder for women to get booked or to to find someone to train them in this era like is it still more challenging to be a female wrestler than a male uh i feel like i might not have the best basis to speak on that just by the fact that I'm not a female. Uh, but from what I've heard, just back when uh, Solo and I were teaming together, she had spoken about the struggles, and from what I understand, it is better than it used to be, mm-hmm. but it's still very challenging. Based on what I've seen at the Wrestle Factory just uh, with the stuff that we go through uh, the physicality and some of the athleticism uh, that can be a hindrance to some of the women that I train with but that's not to say they can't graduate and do anything like that Uh, all in all though I guess that would answer it it's better but it's still difficult do you, do you think the, like, from what you've seen, do the women seem to get as much respect as the men, either from fans or from bookers, like the promoters? Um, again, I could only go through hearsay and 
Right. Uh, it's like I never in my place to throw someone under the bus. I can only hear about certain instances where people are difficult. But, mm-hmm. um, I like to think that I'm in a good group, at least to the places that I go. You know, I, I'll i speak highly of Chikara, of the guys at Excellence, of the guys at Beyond, and things like that. Um, Nova Pro, they've all been fantastic and professional to me and the others that I've seen. And then what are, what are your thoughts on intergender wrestling? Because that's something that keeps coming up and whether or not, you know, WWE is finally going to allow it or whatnot. Like, wh- how do you feel about it? Uh, well, I was in a intergender tag team, so right. a special <laughs> spot for it. Um, over WrestleMania weekend, I had the privilege, the pleasure of being on a all intergender card. You know, oh, Solo, nice. Solo and I had a tag match against Joey Ryan and Laura James. So I remember that when it was getting advertised, it was selling very, very well. So if that's any reflection on it, I do think there's plenty of room for it. I do think that women can generally dish it out just as good, if not better, than certain guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as WWE moving towards it, I think if you look at like the Ronda Rousey match at WrestleMania, right? I, I think that was sort of like... They're kind of testing the waters. Yeah. yeah, so like they had toyed with it a bit there. They had the mixed match challenge. I do think... It may move there slowly but surely. And, you know, I kind of hope it does, in all honesty. I think that it could be a great opportunity for a lot of people, a lot of women out there, to show what they can do. I'll say, before I got into Chikara, as a wrestling fan, I didn't really have any strong opinions on intergender wrestling, one way or the other. Mm Mm-hmm. But... I'm coming from a place where, like, really the only wrestling I was watching was WWE, right? So, when I started getting into Chikara, I think this is one of the better things that that Chikara has done, where it's like, you know, uh, my wife, who's not really, like, a big wrestling fan or anything, right? She follows it because I follow it. Right. And... When we started getting into Chikara, when we started, uh, you know, seeing, like, these sort of intergender matches, like, on on a card for, say, like, an hour of power, something along those lines, at at first, uh, I kind of go back to, like, her initial reaction, like, oh, they're they're doing something like this, Uh, I don't know if I want to watch this, because this might be, you know, this might be kind of gross or, or hard to watch or whatever. And, I mean, again, this is kind of really before, like, her or I knew a whole lot about Shakar, right? So, I, mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe let's let's give it a chance, right? So we start watching it, and I think, I think Quack, I think Mike goes out of his way at every intergender match 
as an opportunity to really stress, like what Travis is talking about, how the women can dish it out as good, if not better, than, than some of the men on the roster. And I think he's got a really strong, like, way to get that over with, again, like somebody like me or even, say, like my wife, like when one of those matches is kind of taking place, is it's like, between the bells, there's no gender, right? Right. And, and I really, that phrase kind of kind of stuck with me, and it's like, yeah, this is, why why not, you know, treat things that way? And I think watching Chikara and getting into that and seeing all the the great matches between men and women and you know kind of talking about something more recently like the world of tag uh, mm-hmm. watching Travis and Solo work together that was some oh, of the, that was you're talking about Tag World Grand Prix tag, that's the one. Tag World Grand P- Grand Prix sorry uh yeah that was some of the most innovative offense I've ever seen and it was it was a work of just wrestling poetry I mean I can't like I not to reference Heidenreich but like I can't (laughs) I can't describe it better because it was just it was it was art it was beautiful and it was creative and it was just fantastic and watching like some of the matches with like Ruby Riot and Kimberly also just phenomenal in Chikara and going out there and putting on these matches where like yeah sometimes they're like outshining the guys and it's just like this is great I I think like the the Sarah Del Rey era yeah queen of wrestling man she was amazing she's the reason I do a butterfly suplex oh love it yeah she she is pretty much like my my idol like I wanted to be her so bad so I just dressed as her for Halloween once but (laughs) Like it's just she's awesome. Like I, I want to see her wrestle more, but I know she she's always like said in interviews that she prefers the training. So I'm hoping that that's you know she's doing what she wants to be doing. It's just I miss seeing her. <laughs> like her, it's I always go back to her match against like Claudio. It's just that that match alone was just like that would put anybody who was questioning yeah. intergender wrestling just watch that and you'll be like okay never mind like this this works yeah it's uh, i would love to see WWE move towards it at the same time part of me is just like okay how are they going to mess this up cuz yeah i just <laughs> Like, I want it to be good, but at the same time, like, WWE doesn't have the best track record with just about anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it's hard because they do have so much, like, I guess you'd say, like, red tape to kind of work with. Because I know, like, they have this contract with Mattel, and Mattel doesn't really want intergender wrestling because they see it as more of, like, glorifying spousal abuse. Yeah. So it's kind of like they, they have so many different contracts and deals to work with as well as like advertisers and different things that it's like there's only so much they can do without losing money at some end you know and it just goes to show like how being sort of like a publicly traded company like that can make you a slave to a lot of different masters where like you can't explore that sort of thing 
Mm-hmm. And I think it's... It's like it, they, they have more money than an independent promotion, but they don't necessarily have as much freedom. Yeah. And, you know, I think Mattel is, like, you know, they're kind of in the right headspace. Like, they're trying to be sensitive to things, mm-hmm. right? At the same time, like, context is important, though. Right. Yeah. So that's why I'm wondering if they they are doing some of these like 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 testing the waters thing to see how fans react and see if like some of the the companies like Mattel and that kind of are on board with it after yeah. a certain point if like the fans' reaction is appropriate. I guess I guess what we need is just like to sit the people in charge at Mattel down and make them watch some Chikara. <laughs> Like that's that's what that sounds like. And another another question here for for Travis, uh, if he's still here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like you didn't just like run away, right? Never hurts um, to make sure. A classic classic question: Do you consider pro wrestling a sport or just entertainment? Why not both? All uh, right. <laughs> it, it's it's as simple as that. Uh, I always consider myself as a very competitive person, and I think that reflects in uh, the style that I wrestle. I do wrestle a very competitive, very technical side, and it can be a challenge, you know, back and forth. Every time I go out there, I try to win. Uh, so it has that sporting aspect. But on the other hand, you also have uh, Hermit Crab, you have Los Ice Creams, who are very much entertaining, whether they mean it to be or not. And yet, they're still competing. They're still being competitive. It's a nice little hybrid of the two. Alright. Okay. Well, I just... Sorry, oh, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I, I go ahead, Leah. <laughs> oh, I have I have one very very important question that that's very important to me personally. Um, <laughs> what what what's the deal with Wednesday? Like, what is what what is Wednesday? <laughs> it's a day of the week. But but why why do you announce it every time? What happens on Wednesday that is so important that? You get the, the Travis Huckabee notification that it is Wednesday, which is helpful at times because I don't always look at the calendar. So, but but I, I need to know for my my own sanity what what happens on Wednesday. Wednesday's Wednesday. <laughs> I'm never gonna know, am I? It's just, it's I just gonna be Wednesday. <laughs> I, think I think you're giving it so much more. Uh, much more meaning than it needs to be. But you never say, like, hey, it's Tuesday. Like, that doesn't happen. It's never, yeah. oh, it's Saturday. It's, always, it's just, once. it's only Wednesdays. Not always. Tomorrow's <laughs> Thursday. <laughs> that's time works. <laughs> but you're not gonna, like, post it on Twitter. That You're not gonna be like, hey, it's Thursday. Unless you missed saying it's Wednesday, then you'll be like, hey, it's Thursday, but yesterday was Wednesday. Just, just saying. I'm not, like, you know, stalking your timeline, trying to figure out what Wednesday is. I think, uh, uh, I by think... The way, <laughs> by the way, um, 
today is Wednesday. <laughs> yes, it is. Leith, I, I think you should check what I just sent you on Twitter. But oh God! While while you're doing that, I, I've I don't got wanna. I've got some questions. I promise it's not doink related. Okay. I, I've got I've got some questions for Travis. Is it Wednesday related? It might it, it be. Is. It is Wednesday it, related. It is Wednesday related. So I've got I've got a couple questions for Travis. Travis, first, as somebody like who's been watching Chikara and and watched you make the the transition from Chikara referee to to wrestler, it, it's been an emotional journey. And I want to say it's one that I've really enjoyed uh, as somebody who's got a lot of different irons and different fires. And wrestling is one of those passion passion projects that I'm working on. And I would love to think about it. Like I'm, I've taken some steps to get involved in wrestling in some aspect as either like a ring announcer or manager, something along those lines. But what advice would you have for our listeners who are interested in getting into professional wrestling in any aspect? Uh, definitely. If you're considering the in work in ring work, uh, definitely consider your, your physicalness, your athletic ability, not to say that there aren't people who, like, we have people of all shapes and sizes. It's just one of those things that helps. Uh, also, do your, this is more kind of generalized, uh, like, branch out and do multiple things. Uh, there's always carryover with dirt, with different skills. Uh, I, was a amateur wrestler in high school. I did Taekwondo in college. Uh, I was in a improv group in college. I done various things just in general. It'll help keep you from getting burnt out. It'll also give you kind of different approach to certain things. Uh, so take that for you know, acting lessons, improv lessons, vocal lessons, anything like that, that'll help with promos, that'll help with confidence, that'll help with presentation, that'll help with things that you're not even aware it'll help with. So, don't just laser tar on wrestling. Branch out. Yep. That's that's a very good it's a very good piece of advice. Oh, I, I have to say I'm gonna add on to that. I, I did get to do one of the, the free workshops that Chikara offers, the like just ninety minutes, you kinda get some, some in ring training, you get to take some bumps. Um it was an awesome experience and a good way to kinda figure out if this is something like like if you feel like you could manage doing that type of training consistently. I guess you would say, like, if it would be worth it for you to, to continue on. Um, it's a good way to get it, your feet just wet. Just so you know. Yeah. I, I, I did all the things. <laughs> there for you the go. Whole, for the whole time. My, my neck hurt a lot, though, because I apparently don't work those muscles ever. <laughs> I, I remember uh, 
my first month of training driving home from the Russell factory, I couldn't turn my neck, so it made it really difficult. Mm. Yeah, I could imagine. So yeah. I, it practices neck bridges, people. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you brought up a very good point, which I guess can also be said. We, Shikara specifically, regularly has free workshops. You can give it a shot. We have our tiered classes as well. So like 101, 201, 301. Anyone who's interested can sign up for one of these. It's like two hours a week. It's, you know, one day a week. It's pretty cheap. You can dip your feet in. You don't have to make huge time commitment. You don't have to go on the road with us. Uh, and you can take it in those stages. You can do your 101, learn how to bump and everything. And then after that, you can do your 201. If you decide to keep it with it after that, 301. And at any point there, you can sign up for CORE. CORE will give you full access to all the classes that you're qualified for. Um, you get to work the shows. You get to really find out a lot more of the inner workings. Uh, there's so many options out there that if you're at all interested, you can give, like, there's something that can work for you. Uh, find any of that stuff, chicarpro.com, you can go on the wrestlefactory.com, I believe is the website. Um, anyone is, can feel free to send me DMs on Twitter, uh, Instagram, anything like that. I'll be happy to, any qu to answer any questions about training. Just throwing that out there. All right. That's, that's, sorry, go ahead, Leif. I was just going to say, it was actually, it was really, really fun to do. Um, I did much better the first half, which they did more of the like acrobatic stuff, which is what I was trained to do like ages ago. So that was more my, my wheelhouse. I could do forward rolls, backward rolls, all that stuff. But um did not do as well with the back bumps. I hit my head all the time. It was terrible. <laughs> it it's not all it's not all fun and games. It can be very fun, but it uh, is serious. Yeah, no, I like and the thing is like I love doing it. Like I wanted to like keep going and I'm like but like you know you have to like take turns and stuff but if it was just me practicing like in my yard or at home because that's probably what I do <laughs> I would probably just do them repeatedly until I actually land it on my back but yeah, um, it's, it's a really it's a really almost extensive like enjoyment uh, yeah no because I, I wreck your body for this <laughs> Yeah, no, it's crazy, because, I mean, that's how I was with, with acrobatics, too, back in the day. Like, I would be in the backyard, I would do, just practice standing front flips, and I would land on my butt, and then I'd just get up and do it again, and then just, like, repeatedly, I'd do it, like, 20 times until I was just, like, too dizzy to stand anymore. So, <laughs> I can definitely understand that, that, like, that drive to just want to keep going and just get your body to do what you're telling it to do, and just to have that, like, like kind of, like, full-on control. Um, personally, I mean, if I could just train and not ever have to wrestle, I would do that option. Is that an option? <laughs> 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 because it was amazing. 
you say that, but there's nothing quite like when you go out and you get that sort of reaction from a, like, I always go back to King of Trios, like, there's nothing like that reaction that we got over there, and it's fantastic to be able to perform and compete in front of these people. Mm-hmm. And I know, like, Chikara has, like, crazy loyal fans, like, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Like, same fans have been going, like, since, you know, like, I was going to shows, and it's like, you see the same people at, like, every show, and they'll be front row, and so super loyal, so super into to every aspect of it, you know, it's just, it's cool to see. Yeah, you don't always... No. Sorry, go ahead. Go no, go ahead. Yeah, and they'll... The fans, I think, typically appreciate the work you put into. I'm constantly uh, getting told by people, like, that, like, how far they feel I've come along, and everything like that. So, this is this is all just so. I mean, this this is great advice. These are these are great words of wisdom to to bear in mind if this is something that that you're passionate about and, and want to explore. And I do think Chikara makes things very easy with that sort of like no pressure kind of commitment towards training. Uh, yeah, just. This is more of a personal peeve. Just if you're gonna commit, I suggest you, I su- suggest you, like commit to it. And this is just personal philosophy. Like, yeah. Uh, put in the work. Don't, don't just be like soft about it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. So, Travis, I've got one other. Uh, important question for you here before we jump into into talking about extreme championship wrestling. Out of out of all the the wrestling that you've watched for for our show, and we thank you for that. <laughs> if you had to pick one wrestler from any of these three organizations that that you saw watching all this wrestling for our show, who would you pick to to have a match against? Uh, I need to think. Was Malenko in this group? Yes. Yes. And if uh, you're gonna say that, then that's my guess, and that's awesome. <laughs> it it would honestly probably either be Malenko or Arn Anderson. That would be my other guess. <laughs> uh. There are, as much as uh, I've knocked some of the wrestling so far, <laughs> uh, there are some fantastic talents in this span of time. You know, Malenko, Anderson, Macho Man, Sting, Flair, a lot of these guys. But I think Malenko would be my first pick. Okay. That I would watch that match. I would pay to see that match any day of the week. That that would be a fantastic match. That's a you know, Razor Hawk. Sorry. I was gonna say, uh, 
I think Taz also could be a good one. Yeah? Could be. Uh, now I'm trying to remember back to the question I had from Razorhawk. He did make a comment about you and Dean Malenko. Like, not so flattering comparison. <laughs> but I can't remember his exact wording. So, uh, sorry. <laughs> Razorhawk, uh, if you're listening to this, sorry. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> Razorhawk, if you've got anything to say, you know where I am. Just I, I, I think it was Discount Dean Malenko is what he called you. <laughs> Something like that. And he's a defective, outdated dated computer virus. Ooh. So we are... We can... I'm, I'm starting Ra- fights here, alright. <laughs> Razorhawk, you know where I am. Stop trolling on Twitter. Actually show up for training one night. Ooh. So yeah, Malenko. <laughs> <laughs> you see what you did, Leif? Nope, I didn't do anything. You stirred there the really pot. was all Razor. Now, see, what was that? She didn't do anything. It was Razorhawk. Now, see, now I really wish I could do a, a good Mean Gene impression, because this would be the perfect opportunity for it. <laughs> but I can't. Yeah, I'm you terrible at a, impressions. Just ask uh, Preston Blathers to be on your show sometime. Okay. I know he studies Mean Gene. It's good to know. I'm gonna take that take that note down here. Either so, Preston Blathers or Doctor Diamond Fire. Doctor Diamond Fire is I I love watching him on Chikara. He's uh, give, he's give fun. Him a, give him a call. He'd probably enjoy sitting down and talking to you guys for a bit. <laughs> that's that's good to know. Everybody loves talking to us. Yeah. We're, We're great. just so fun. <laughs> Make people watch incredible television and talk to us. Yeah, where else do you get that opportunity? <laughs> so, ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, week one. Leith, hit us with the results. Got not, not much. I mean, okay. Sandman defeats Shane Douglas to retain the ECW World Heavyweight Championship because... Sandman somehow is holding on to this. Okay. Uh, Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko uh, and a time limit draw in ECW World TV Championship match. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much all they give you for like official results for the official episode because they do a lot of highlights, right, from like other shows that they did. So okay. That those are the things that actually took place on the episode itself. <laughs> okay. Do we got any any thoughts or notes about this week of ECW? Um, I've I've got a couple, I guess. Uh, was this uh Hack Myers match on there? Hack, Hack Myers Ma- versus Tony Stetson. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, the first one they showed. It was it was funny going from WWF to watching this. <laughs> because in the middle of the match there were two low blows and still had a boring chant. <laughs> I mean, uh, Hack Myers gets grabbed by his mutton chop sideburns. 
that's as someone with facial hair, that just sounds devastating. <laughs> yeah. Um. The other thing that I think was really kind of interesting is that Paul Heyman had a promo in this episode. I think. Absolutely. Yeah. About how he doesn't need a gimmick or anything, and especially after watching a month of Monday Night Raw and seeing some of the ridiculousness there, mm-hmm. I think that was really kind of a, a interesting observation on the wrestling culture at the time. Yeah, that was they, uh, that was pretty sort of like revolutionary to kind of acknowledge. I mean, just even the existence of gimmicks. Yeah. Like, to even say the word on TV and to say, you know, I I think Styles has a really good uh, question here. You know, why drop the gimmick and expose the man now? And, you know, Heyman just being incredibly dangerous on on a live mic, just talking about how the Tasmaniac is dead, long live Taz. Mm-hmm. And it was such a great way to sort of reinvent Taz with his gimmick is he doesn't have a gimmick. He's just Taz. So watch Yeah, out. there were a lot of uh, interesting knocks at other companies, even. Mm-hmm. I think it was in the, in the Sandman match. I think Shane Douglas took the old Ric Flair off the top. I think he had climbed up and got thrown down. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Joey Styles on commentary, just his reaction to it had me dying. Uh, I think he said something along the lines of, was like, you know, I've seen that before. I just can't put my finger on it. <laughs> it's really tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, Styles is an expert at just trolling the big two. And... I, I think as we as we get as we move forward, we see them really kind of dig at WCW a lot more than anything. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see that as we as we go forward talking about ECW. Uh, one of the other fun notes is that in order to troll Shane Douglas, we got we want Flair chance. <laughs> uh, we get sort of a. a we get more with Bill Alfonso, yep. where you know Cactus Jack is interfering in the match because this is a this is a three way feud between Cactus Jack, Shane Douglas, and your ECW champion, the Sandman, who's just kind of failing upward in life, and you know Jack is doing everything he can to make sure Sandman doesn't win, but Alfonso overturns the decision and this is what allows Sandman to get to get the three count. Or Alfonso du- got such ridiculous like hatred from all the fans and it was really a bit of masterwork. Mm-hmm. It was fantastic to have this, you know, bad guy ref and enforcing the rules of the land of violence. Right. <laughs> It was so. It's like I like when they 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 make the refs like more than just a ref anyway. Like that's always adds another element to a to a match. You don't you don't see that too often 
in like WWF or WCW, it's just like half the time they don't even tell you who the refs are. So it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to see it, see a referee come in that has like an actual storyline and part to play. Yeah. It uh, it really made me think of when we had a uh, Derek Sabato around at Chikara. Yes. Yeah. That was the exact like vibe. Maybe distant cousins. <laughs> like uh, the this whole thing with Will Alfonso is really again just kind of interesting and it's it's so much different than anything going on in the in the big two and it sort of like what they're doing is they're kind of creating a stronger bond amongst the audience because you could say you, you could like Shane Douglas or hate Shane Douglas or you could like Raven or hate Raven or whatever, like no matter where you fell on the spectrum, though, you hated Bill Alfonso, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and it kind of brought the fans closer together. And this whole this whole match ends with some confusion over who's who's the ECW champion, because uh, referee John Finnegan is saying that it it's uh, the Sandman. And Alfonso is saying it's Douglas. So who is the ECW champion? Uh, we also get uh, Douglas is, even though we don't know that he's the champion right now or not, but he's the one who leaves with the belt. Uh, and we get some just build up with Raven and, and Richards against Streamer. So I guess that takes us into into week two, ECW. Mm-hmm. So let's hit those results. The the only match that we really get is the Public Enemy, Johnny Grunge and Rocco Rock, beating the Pit Bulls in a double dog collar match to retain the ECW World Tag Team Championships. And whoo boy. Mm-hmm. That was that was a little hard to watch. Am I the am I the only one who thought that was was a little? No, no, in same way. <laughs> I just I, I just remember being very confused a, a lot and, okay. and trying having a hard time following what was happening. Yeah. All these like overly gimmicked matches. I'm just like, what, what? <laughs> yeah, I I'm usually not able to. Uh invest in these kind of matches. I kept mixing up which pit bull was which, and then I just, I don't know. It was a mess. I, <laughs> uh, so I, I wrote down that there was a We Want Blood chant. That unsettled me. Yeah. <laughs> ECW fans were ready to watch somebody die in the ring. <clears throat> so, we got, uh, we get that match... Uh, we get some, I think, highlights of Terry Funk. Yeah. And Cactus Jack, and Terry Funk is wearing a Cactus My Ass t-shirt. Uh, again, just trying to light Mick Foley on fire. He's a, the the branding iron. Yeah. Oh, Which God. my uh, my Cactus Jack figure came with a little branding iron. That's unsettling. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> That's... Was that a WWE figure? Uh, yeah. I said Terry Funk, right? 
Yes. Okay, I'm just making sure because I like caught myself in my head. I thought you said Cactus Jack. See, that's what I thought too. Okay, but it was my Terry Funk figure. It came with a little little branding irony. Has the the ECW title. It's like a '97 figure, so I guess the the branding iron stayed with them for for a couple years. All right. Is that like part of his thing then? Do we do we know? Because I haven't watched like this is my first watching of ECW pretty much at all. Is what we're we're doing now. I will let you in on a little secret of all the people I study. Terry Funk is not one of them. <laughs> Why not? He started off as a technical wrestler. You know, I much rather prefer Malenko, Regal, you know, bunch of current guys, Gresham, Thatcher, Gulak. Ne- never really a Terry Funk guy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I mean, I don't think Chikara is going to let uh, Travis light too many fires. Any fires, I think. Yeah. I would... Just one little one. <laughs> if you want a little fire, go back, watch King of Trios 2016. Aerostar comes out with, like, a flamethrower, nearly sets Swamp Monster on fire. Uh, oh, there's your... That was at the, the Funplex? East the one? Palmer? The... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I was there. Like, yeah. I remember this. <laughs> Yeah, they, I think it had the Bullet Club versus Team AAA. Yeah, and and AJ Styles complaining about the Lucha Ropes. Yep. Yep. (laughs) Not same night, same tournament. First night. I think that was like like pretty much any time he was in the ring. (laughs) He was complaining about the Lucha Ropes. Because he kept like falling. (laughs) And... Then he went off and became a world champ. These things happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I, I would. I would have to imagine Chikara has a strict no fires policy. Um, we do. I think after it had happened, Quackenbush had a very interesting conversation with these guys, and uh, he had made a point of saying no fuego por favor. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's that's fair. So yeah, uh, no, Lith Terry Funk does like to light people on fire. He he is straight up out to kill somebody. I know he's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Deep side. <laughs> Terry Funk maybe also isn't the best role model, kids. <laughs> no See, Jerry well, I... Alford, no Terry Funk. Just a little bit of Terry Funk. Go early. Like, <laughs> super early. Like, before he discovers, like, like death matches and, and barbed wire. That might be fair. <laughs> yeah, you can give him a sporting chance. Give Terry Funk a chance. And he is immortal. He know? is. He... Yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah. So... The whole the whole idea was uh, in this double dog collar match. Uh, the public enemy, if they won, they got five minutes alone with Stevie Richards. That's what it was. That's right. Oh God. 
<laughs> and boy howdy did they win. So yeah, they got uh they got five minutes alone with Stevie Richards. And that's what we want blood chant was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But wait, what was what led to them wanting Stevie Richards anyway? Well, this all has like to do something. No, this all has to do with the pit bulls being lackeys for Raven oh, at this point. Gotcha. Yeah. So naturally so why Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say why Richards instead of Raven? Well, because Richards is the one getting involved in their matches. Yeah. Fair enough. So we get uh we get Beulah versus Lana or Luna, excuse me, Beulah versus Luna Vashon. That's that's a thing that's going to happen. Uh, we get Paul Polly dangerously. I just have it here that he is on fire on the mic. I mean, just again going like these ECW broadcasts are worth watching just for Polly's promos alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just have it noted here: Taz, such courage, much uh, much danger. I had written down that Joey Styles' face during that was flat-out hilarious. <laughs> yeah, Joey Styles' facial reactions are, are pretty great. Uh, let's see here. We get uh, Todd Gordon sort of laying down the law about certain things. And also, like, during all this, uh, we also get announced that the public enemy is also going to defend their titles against Axel Rotten and a mystery partner the following weekend. And we'll find out more about that when we get to the next ECW, I believe. But Todd Gordon comes out and lays down the law. We get Todd is God chance, uh, doggy style chance at Stevie Richards. Uh. Somebody catches a soda can to the face. I think this was uh, Stevie Richards getting that. And there's a rolling pin spot, a skillet spot. And yeah, I just have it noted here, we talked about this, ECW fans just want somebody to die. <laughs> or this might have been during during the dog collar match. So, there's a double pin, but the public enemy are ultimately declared the winners. Rocco Rock pinned Pitbull number two. And public enemy, per stipulation, gets five minutes alone with Richards. Stevie Richards tries to fight back with a toy dinosaur. And there's the We Want Blood chance, And Raven saves Stevie Richards uh, with the pit bulls, and they're all attacking Public Enemy. We really kind of get the sense that Stevie Richards just absolutely worships Raven at this point. Right. Uh, yeah. Seems pretty, pretty standard. He's kind of his, like, lackey. He's like the, the Cobalt to Hallow Wicked. Yeah. For making Jakar references. <laughs> and Dreamer comes out to to try to make the save. And, you know, things kind of go back and forth with them ultimately clearing house, where Joey Styles declares that Tommy Dreamer is the innovator of violence and he's got on his side the Queen of Extreme, Luna Vachon. And we close this out with the public enemy kind of outside cutting one of their, like, you know man on the street at night 
promos, and there's graffiti on one of the walls that reads, The Public Enemy, Terminate On Sight. Ooh, spoopy. What what could be going on with The Public Enemy? So do we got any other thoughts on this week of ECW? Uh, I think there was also a Cactus Jack promo this week. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Yes. Uh, yes. It's about the barbed wire match. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I I just remember this because Cactus Jack is just phenomenal in these promos. He really uh, is. You know, there were a handful of uh, a handful of things just from it. Uh, a lust for blood and a man versus thing. It talks about how he doesn't need 16 beers. Etc. Etc. He puts on this crown of barbed wire, and like he takes it off, and he even starts to bleed a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he goes and says, "Super D duper." <laughs> it it's kind of ridiculous the the work he's able to put in just in these videos. Yeah, his his promos are incredibly intense, and I think he even says during all this, you know, uneasy lies the head that wears the crown, and it's just, like, this whole ECW broadcast from start to finish is almost pretty hard to watch. Like, it's, it's intense, it's good, but it's also just, it, it, there's so much going on, there's, there's just, I don't know how else to describe it. But, yeah, Cactus Jack's promos during this time are just a thing of beauty. Leith, any any other thoughts about that that week? Mm, Not really. Okay. I think we pretty much covered everything I had as well, so... Okay. So we move on to the next week of ECW... Hit us with the with the results, Leith. June twentieth, nineteen ninety five. Uh, Tony Stetson beats the New Jersey Devil. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> that was a thing. Mikey Mikey Whipwreck defeats Val Puccio, if I'm saying that correctly. Big Val Puccio. The Vampire Warrior defeats Hack Myers. Beulah McGillicuddy defeats Luna Vachon. Taz and Two Cold Scorpio beat Raven and the Pitbulls in a three-on-one handicap match. So we actually have a, a decent amount of matches that are on the actual episodes and not just flashbacks. Okay, yeah. So any any thoughts on this? I was going to make a joke that the Luna Beulah match was match of the month. No, no. Um, Man, for the people who following along, the match was of ten seconds. Hence the joke. Uh, It was a really great ten seconds. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. uh, All of this stuff with Dreamer and Raven is. It's very compelling. I 
spoke at the WWF uh, about all that stuff and how I had no compulsion to go on and continue watching. Like, I legitimately wanted to follow along with this Dreamer-Raven feud. Uh, I think Raven is beating down Dreamer after the Beulah match. And he even does, like, the Marty Scroll finger snap. And yeah, that was... Ooh. That is the most convincing I've ever seen it. And I think that has to do with just how he was beaten down and everything else to it. It legitimately made me cringe in the worst kind of way. And then even afterwards... uh Raving cuts a really powerful promo. It's at least as far as storytelling goes, that's it's really good. That was, you know, the the pit bulls versus the public enemy in that dog collar match. Like that was almost hard to watch because of like how violent it was, and it just you know from start to finish. And it's, I mean, these are just highlights of that match, even right, mm-hmm. and. Like, it's, it's still, like, a long, drawn-out thing, but, like, this is something that, I mean, it's just, it's sort of like a blink-and-you-kind-of-miss-it thing, what, what Raven does with three or four of Tommy Dreamer's fingers there, and that is just, I mean, it's just sickening. It's it's a whole different kind of yeah difficult to watch than, like, that Pitbulls match. Like, that's not supposed to bend that way, man. <laughs> I guess mm, that's not how an, how anatomy works. I guess I was the only one like not phased by this. I feel like like a sociopath or something like sitting here watching it. You guys are like freaking out. I'm like, yeah, it was. It was I mean, it happened. I don't know. It didn't. I guess it didn't affect me the same way it did you guys. <laughs> Leah's just over here. Like, why didn't he do it to the other hand? <laughs> so I guess I has two of them. Yeah, <laughs> I I did have one of those uh during it because I think Raven was going to hit Luna with the chair, and Dreamer like jumps out in front of it. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if this is cynical or what, but when I saw that happen, it was like okay, Dreamer's out of the way. You can hit Luna now. <laughs> I I don't know. It, I didn't understand. Like why he didn't just do that? I I think I I think the the storytelling in that is that he knew Dreamer was going to take the shot. He wanted to sucker Dreamer into taking the chair shot. That's possible. Yeah. It does seem like a a very like Raven thing to do. Yeah. If that's so Raven. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's it. Shows canceled. <laughs> nope. No, uh, I think one of the other interesting things is, you know, the kind of lead-up to what happens with Dreamer and Luna and and all this is we get, you know, the Vampire Warrior isn't just there for, for kicks and giggles. He's there because Luna is his ex-wife, and he wants Dreamer to get his hands off his ex-wife. And we get Tommy Dreamer versus the Vampire Warrior in sort of an impromptu match, and... There's a rain gutter spot of all the weapons that that you can have in a hardcore match 
he's straight up hitting the vampire warrior with a rain gutter. Because that's... I mean, that, that seems like something that we didn't get to see on Buffy the Vampire Slayer ever, and I'm kind of disappointed now. I say as somebody who's never actually watched Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So, for all you know, there that could have happened. It could have. But I'm worried about like 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 the rust on the rain gutter. Was it the new rain gutter? It Did looked pretty that? new. Yeah, it didn't look rusty <laughs> at all. Exactly somebody, like somebody. Does everyone have their tetanus shot? Yeah. Somebody <laughs> brought a new rain gutter to an ECW event and like, hey, I want you to use this as a weapon. So, yeah, we get we get that and uh, we get. You know, the, the Too Cold Scorpio and Taz match, and I just have it noted here, Too Cold Scorpio sidekicks for days. And during this match, we get uh, the camera cuts to Paul E, and Paul E says, Some people have no taste whatsoever. Look at this idiot, and points to a fan with an I Heart You Stevie Richards signs. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where they get one of the best digs in where Styles says, Paulie's statement is accurate just by virtue of WCW Saturday Night still being on the air. This is like, oh, man. Shade. Uh, we get uh, Ray, uh, Richards getting chummy with his new fan, and Raven admonishes him and forces him in the back uh, with uh, taking Beulah with him, and Beulah shouting at this... Uh, female fan who's enamored with Stevie Richards for some reason. And Raven sort of abandons the pit bull, and this is what allows Taz and Scorpio to get the win. Now, Scorpio gets in Polly's face and pops Polly, and he tried to he tried to sucker punch Taz with the mic, but it doesn't even affect Taz. And that's when Scorpio knew he was in for a bad time. <laughs> I honestly love Taz. I'm not gonna lie. There's some something about his like persona, just that like I don't know, like he has like that toughness, like like the same as like like Samoa Joe has. Like I, I don't I don't really know how to explain it. Like he's just quiet, not a guy you would want to mess with. Yeah, quiet and intense. They seem very legitimate. Right. Uh, we talked about how Kama just. It wasn't doing it for his supreme fighting machine, but you've got Taz, who is everything that Kama should have been. Yeah, Taz would have been much better in that spot. And, and Taz is on the—he's smaller than most of the guys in this era. Am I like visualizing that correct? Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Like it's it's always hard to judge because like on TV they usually have like you know like the six four guys so like anybody under that looks small so it's hard to to say but yeah no I think you're right but he just has that like that he carries himself well and he has that intensity and it's just you believe he's gonna destroy he could destroy anybody that you put in front of him. Uh, yeah, he, he absolutely will. So, we get, uh, 
we we finally find out who Axel Rotten's mystery partner is going to be. It's his brother Ian Rotten. The Bad Breed reunites, and they're going to take on Public Enemy, and they're ready because they got a barbed wire baseball bat just wrapped with all the barbed wire, and they're ready to take on the Public Enemy. Everybody's ready for this match, and what happens? Bill Alfonso comes out and puts a stop to it. Of course he does. Yeah. Oh, because they, they, they signed the uh, contract saying they would never tag again. Ever, ever. And, you know, that's ironclad, of course. Iron, if there's one thing that's ironclad, it's ECW contracts. And he says if this match takes place, he's going to shut ECW down. Well, Public Enemy wants it just as bad, and they lead the fans in a very much not appropriate for this show song against Bill Alfonso. And Axel's just like, hey, I came here for a fight, and he just decks his brother Ian. And Public Enemy (laughs) retains by default, and we look like, you know, okay... Happy ending, but not so much because the gangsters debut and take out Public Enemy. And if you thought anything else that we talked about sounded hard to watch, boy, howdy, wait until we get into some new Jack. Ugh. Oh, God, no. new Jack. No, I don't want to. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> new Jack. Uh, I watched um the up in late, like Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, they have the South Side film festival and okay. I'm going to forget the name of it but they, this one fellow is a documentarian did a documentary about ECW and interviewed tons of people including New Jack and like some of the stuff they talked about holy poop <laughs> like oh my god I don't want to see any of it I've, I've heard stories about New Jack uh, I've heard interviews with New Jack I just on the off chance that he's listening I'm not going to say anything about <laughs> New Jack um, that's a good idea I will leave it as that <laughs> I'll, I'll go ahead and say New Jack if you're listening hi <laughs> hi New I'm, Jack Hi, New Jack. I'm not going to say anything bad about New Jack either, because, well, I'm sure New Jack's just a great guy. So, I'm sure he is, too. Yeah. New Jack. For the children. He seemed nice enough on the documentary, as just some of the the stuff that happened didn't seem very pleasant. <laughs> yeah, no. Like, the interviews and whatnot I've seen, he seems like a whatever, you're not going to mess with me, I'm not going to mess with you. Don't mess with New Jack. Don't. don't. Don't mess with New Jack. Don't. Just don't. Yeah. That's your public service announcement from the Wrestling Time Machine. Uh, that's, <laughs> that's a very important public time machine pod, uh, podcast public service announce, an, announcement. I think you have a new title for the show. Yeah. <laughs> the more you know. So... Let's let's move on to the next week here, which I think is mostly just highlights. I think so too. Yeah. Um, 
we get we get highlights of the gangsters versus the public enemy, including the cops just straight up arresting <coughs> the gangsters. And Joey Styles is kind of out out on Front Street about it. Like ECW is faced with a dilemma. The footage could encourage other wrestlers to do what the gangsters did, and the gangsters, he's very, uh, uh, he's stressing this point, they are not extreme championship wrestling wrestlers. He calls them by New Jack and Mustafa Saeed, he calls them by their real names, Jerome Young and Jamal Mustafa, and says that they joined Smoky Mountain Wrestling, which is Jim Cornette's organization, went through every tag team in Smoky Mountain and remained Smoky Mountain Wrestling Tag Team Champions. Uh, Following the lead of two other hoodies that preceded them, because on September 18th, 1993, the tag team The Public Enemy debuted in ECW, who are now three-time ECW Tag Team Champions, and came into ECW with a forged wrestling license. Travis, is a wrestling license a thing that you need in Pennsylvania? Not in Pennsylvania. Okay. I needed one. Well, I need one when I wrestle in Virginia. I needed one in New Orleans, but not Pennsylvania. Okay. I just, it sounds like, like I can get why... They're a thing, but it also just sounds very silly to say out loud. A wrestling license, like kind of, it's even like the point now. Um, even modern day, the wrestling licenses are really kind of more formalities. Sure. Like uh, in New Orleans a little more serious. It had blood work and everything involved. Oh, that's, uh, that's fair. I don't know if this was something like that had happened back in the 90s where they still had them, but yeah, it's... Yeah. <laughs> that's all I got to say about that. Okay. I was just I was just curious about the nature of wrestling licenses if that was if that was a real thing or if they were just doing that for for the story. Yeah, um any of the things I've had usually uh involve some sort of statement saying uh where you've received training, things like that. Maybe blood work, maybe a few other things, but a lot of it is just the state money. Okay. Yeah. If anyone state is listening, please don't revoke my license. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> Be cool. Yeah. Yeah. So well, the guys were really cool. Yeah. You look Nova. So we have uh, the public enemy. They're saying they're going to quit ECW if Todd if Todd Gordon doesn't sign this match between them and the gangsters because they boy do they want this. And we get some highlights of Tommy Dreamer versus Raven and Tommy Dreamer versus the Vampire Warrior. And we get Luna covering herself with the Vampire Warrior's blood because I guess ECW just isn't metal enough yet. I have a lot of respect for Luna. Yeah, absolutely. Not that I would ever do that, but... 
the commitment to her being her. Yeah. Yeah. Well, she used yeah. to scare me when I was like younger, though. She embraced it. She was she was heavy metal, man. She was pretty awesome. So we get uh, speaking of Luna, we get a promo with her and Tommy Dreamer, and Dreamer's talking about how he's studying the classics, and he has a really cool line in here where he says he's just a regular guy in a violent world with an extreme girl, and that that's just the American dream, right there. Sounds like like the tagline for a movie. Yeah. Like an independent 90s film. Yeah, like natural bur- natural born killers or Like something. I can picture him like on the cover with like a convertible and like like him and him and uh Luna, Luna. like with a gun or something. <laughs> He's I got like picture, sunglasses on. Yeah. I picture just everything's on fire behind him. <laughs> yeah, we we never saw Dreamer's hand during this promo. So the real question is how many of those digits are broken? And we get a mixed tag match. Speaking of intergender wrestling, we get a mixed tag match sign between Raven and Stevie Richards versus Dreamer and Luna. So that's going to be a thing. And then the big highlight of the night, speaking, you know, we, we talked about that dig at WCW before. ECW has taken another big dig at uh, World Championship Wrestling because they're about to have 911 face off against Jungle Jim Steele. And we get the ultimate, the extreme cyclopedia, where Jungle Jim Steele is defined as Dedis Metis, a noun, a warrior of ultimate proportions, this former star of the Ted Turner-owned World Championship Wrestling Organization has has terrorized wrestling fans by his mere existence. That's the problem. Solution? Call 911. (laughs) We get uh, Paul E. Dangerously, a noun, an oral loose cannon, a cell phone junkie who's Business mergers usually involve AT&T Portable and Blue Chip Human Skulls. See Yuppius Psychosis, Scourge of Scarsdale, New York City's Nightmare. And then we get 911 Noun, where the uh, the extreme championship wrestling production team is like, no thank you, we, uh, we value our lives too much. So we're not going to say anything about 911 here. Just like New Jack. Yeah. Uh, The actual entry reads just, uh, excuse us, but we, the ECW production team, being health conscious, refuse to write anything that has the chance of offending this choke-slamming giant. In other words, write your own extreme encyclopedia. We hope that's okay with you, Mr. 911. (laughs) Uh, During during this quote-unquote match... Uh, Joey Styles wonders if Philadelphia is a connecting city between Atlanta and New York. Again, a, another dig at WCW. And I guess the whole joke is that uh, Jungle Jim Steele was a formal, uh, former partner of the Renegade, probably back when he was Rio Lord of the Jungle. 
And yeah, uh, there are five choke slams in this. The the third choke slam is dedicated to all our friends in CNN Tower in Atlanta. The fourth choke slam is dedicated to Renegade. The f- uh, next choke slam, Paulie says he can forgive Shane Douglas for the Raw shirt, but this fifth choke slam is dedicated to Bill heckin' Alfonso. And Paulie isn't shying away from some some vulgar language here, but we do get an Alfonso Vince's boy sign during all this, kind of digging at the fact that Bill Alfonso was a former WWF referee. So, any thoughts on Jungle Jim Steel versus Nine One One? All. All I have is that late, later on he became Wolf Hawkfield, who was a character based on, uh, or a wrestler based on the character from Virtual Fighter. So that's oh. my my two cents. Leith is our re- our resident jobber expert. Expert. That's <laughs> what I'm here for. Yeah. So we then get uh, we get some highlights severely edited highlights of the Sandman versus Cactus Jack in a barbed wire rope match. Now, for those listening, if you're not familiar with this match type, the the idea is that the ring ropes have all been completely replaced with barbed wire. Uh we get uh, we get a pretty comical sign in the audience. Spill blood, not beer. Do we do we got any thoughts on on the highlights that we saw here? Um, I think the only note I wrote was what the heck. Okay. I oh boy. This one was actually a little hard for for me to watch. Oh, this is this is where Leith draws the line. Okay. Good to know. Yeah, good to know. Yeah. Good to good to have. I a... like I I prefer my ropes to be you know made of like rope, and <laughs> not barbed wire. Fair enough. I'll take lucha ropes any day. Yeah. <laughs> so there there are some pretty hard spots in this. We get uh, we get a gourd buster onto the onto the barbed wire ropes. Uh, we get Sandman with a leg drop to Cactus as his neck is actually caught up in the barbed wire. Uh, Cactus Jack fighting back with a cheese grater. Because, I mean, why not? Go for broke, right? Mm-hmm. Sandman's entire torso is just bloody. So is his head. Uh, Jack had knocked uh, Sandman down at one point for the 10 count, won the match in the ECW title, or so he thought. Bill Alfonso comes out and says that according to the ECW commission, the ECW World Championship cannot change hands on a 10 count and orders the match to continue. This results in Alfonso and Jim Molino getting into a pushing match where he eventually pushes Molino to the ground. Molino tries to fight back, and Cactus has to stop him. Sandman takes advantage of all this, wraps barbed wire around Cactus's, Cactus's throat and face, 
And all the while, I mean, the refs are just arguing over who's in charge. Cactus gets thrown to the floor, and Alfonso calls for the bell, stating that Cactus can't continue. Alfonso didn't even give him a chance to to recover. Uh, This results in Todd Gordon coming out, and again, him and Alfonso kind of get into it with Alfonso actually responding with a clothesline for Todd Gordon. And Sandman, I, I think this is something... Joey Styles says, Sandman ignited a worldwide powder keg called Extreme Fever and put Douglas's fire out. Yeah. And that was that was probably the most extreme thing. And, and I honestly have to give this my match of the month just by virtue of how brutal this was. But is that really wrestling? I mean, Sure. There were wrestling moves in this, I would argue. Are they are they wrestle mom approved though? I mean, <laughs> do, is that where we're at? Where the match of the month has to be wrestle mom approved? <laughs> I'm, I'm a stickler to uh, to, to these uh, rules. I'm just making up as I go along. Okay. <laughs> Wrestle Mama match of month then. Yeah, what I is, don't know. No. Uh, probably Malenko versus Guerrero. Done. <laughs> Does that count for this month? Yeah, it was it was on. They showed it again. <laughs> all right. It's, so, all, it's always got to be technical. There can't be more than one flippy. One one these, flippy. These are the, yeah, technical wrestling, only one flippy allowed, no diving headbutts, no barbed wire, done. <laughs> so, do we got any final thoughts on ECW before we jump into WCW? Uh, this was my first time seeing Sandman in, like, prime Sandman form, I'd say. Okay. Uh, holy moly. <laughs> I was... I don't have a lot of words for it. <laughs> I also thought, uh... Sandman might be a... spiritual father of, a uh, Chris Dickinson, but... Also, I don't want to say that in case... He can <laughs> I don't know. If you're listening, uh, Mr. Dirty Daddy, um, <laughs> please do something. <laughs> okay, Leith, any any final thoughts on ECW? Uh, no, I'm good. No, okay. Yeah, I'm just I'm anxious to see more more Dreamer and Raven. That's like pretty much what keeps me me going through these. <laughs> Fair enough. The, the most most compelling story for for my taste. Yeah, Fair. same here. <laughs> it, it is a it is a really fascinating feud, and I think it's some of the best storytelling that ECW has going for it. So, speaking of WCW Saturday Night and bad taste, thank you, Joey Styles. WCW. Oh boy! Yeah! Yay! Yay! Um, 
Squash matches. Squash matches. Leith, hit us with the results for the first week. So they're on June... Third, 1995, Alex Wright defeats Manny Fernand- Fernandez. Fernandez. Uh, Sting D defeats... Uh, I can talk. Sting, Sting defeats <laughs> Dirty Dick Slater with Colonel Robert Parker. Renegade beats Bobby Starr. Harlem Heat beats Mike Corey and Scott D'Amour. Ric Flair versus Randy Savage ends in a no contest. Okay. Any any thoughts on this week of WCW? Um, I wrote down that, uh, was it, I think Anderson was antagonizing Macho Man, and, uh, yeah. while Savage was in the locker room, his hat flew off. <laughs> I found that hilarious. Okay. So, Scott Damore would go on to be a big deal in TNA as part of Team Canada. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, um, Manny Fernandez was part of that infamous WWC match. Um, he landed the knee drop off the top rope to would be Invader 3's midsection, and it looked like the impact ruptured uh, Invader 3's stomach cavity, causing him to vomit blood. Oh, yeah, and then he lands two more times on him. Um, I guess in in some interviews, Manny Fernandez says it was deliberate and it was an act of revenge or vengeance for Bruiser Brody's murder, like IRL. So okay. Um, I I have seen the uh, the footage of that match like long time ago, and it was. It's not something for people who are, are queasy or can't handle seeing a lot of blood or people looking like they're about to die in the ring. But but it is an interesting little, like I guess that like crossover between like what 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 it would be a work and what is more real. Uh, so I- it. it I had no idea about any of that. Yeah, fun stuff happens sometimes. Yeah, that's frightening. And then, you know, he's just wrestling cheery little Alex Wright. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, that's the show, everybody. (laughs) I gotta say, though, Alex Wright looked good. Yeah. from all the stuff I saw from him this month, uh, I was curious to see what happened to him. So I ended up looking him up, which is more than I could say about a lot of the other people. <laughs> Unlike me, who looks up everybody. <laughs> it's like I have to know, is this is this jobber just a jobber, or is there more to the story? No. Alex Wright wasn't an enhancement guy. Do you know what happened to him? Yes, uh, he when WCW um, ended, he couldn't get his something with a work visa to work for WWE. So he ended up going back to Germany and eventually started his own school and his own company. So oh, he, yeah, I don't know if this was uh, before or after that, but. 
he did have a character change at one point as uh, his name was Berlin, and he yes. like shaved off his hair, refused to speak English. Yeah, oh, I think that later on. I, I want to say I think that's like '98 or '99. Yeah, I think is. I mean, we're definitely gonna gear up for that. That's that will we will get to that. I'm sure. So, I just wanted to throw that out there that I did my homework. Yeah, no, I mean that's Travis. You're on this show. You've absolutely done your homework. (laughs) (laughs) So. Here I was thinking, like, the craziest thing we were going to talk about was going to be, like, the the Dungeon of Doom stuff that happened during this episode. And, nope, Manny Fernandez happened. So, yeah, sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. Uh, so, one of the other things that happens is uh, they keep hinting that a member of the Blue Bloods is linked romantically to a member of the royal family. Which is just well, delightful. I I really hope it was regal. <laughs> I I also have the biggest the biggest appreciation for William Regal. Yeah, w- William Regal's pretty amazing. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Travis and I are sort of like on the we seem to be in the same taste in wrestling and wrestlers. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's kind of sometimes hard. It, it's kind of hard not to love William Regal. True that. He's he's pretty great. He's one of those guys who has it all, and then allows like all the the silly stuff to happen too, yeah. and makes amazing facial expressions that like crack me up every time. Look, oh goodness, <laughs> uh, it's he's a pro. It's there's very little competing. <laughs> they're they're really I mean it, it doesn't so far I think one of my highlights of just doing this whole thing has been watching William Regal just transform Bobby Eaton into into a presentable member of of high society and it's just great I mean just the whole like makeover and and turning him from like a good old boy to a refined British gentleman it's it's probably some of the best stuff WCW's done. And that's that's saying a lot, because WCW has done some very bad things. So, I guess week two... Yeah, anyone that can, that can give me hope for WCW or something to look forward to in watching this is, is my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have it noted here that the Renegade hit probably the worst clothesline I've ever seen on that match in Bobby Starr. I did think I wrote it down that that match felt like it was about two minutes too long. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was not it was not good, everybody. I can tell from my notes I was not paying attention. <laughs> That's fair. I, I just have the basics. And it's like, oh, he wins with the Renegade Splash, because he always wins with the Renegade Splash. Yeah. Like, a, a fun thing to do is to count the number of actual wrestling moves in a Renegade match. You never get more than five. So, we move on to week two, June 10th, 1995. We get Renegade beating Dave Dalton. 
Diamond Dallas Page beating Frankie Lancaster. The Nasty Boys defeating the team of Sonny Trout and Rick Thames. And Ric Flair defeating Alex Wright. Any any notes on this week? I actually lost the notes that I had. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, okay. Uh, this is the one week I think I lost notes for. Okay. Well, uh, we get the Renegade snarling. There's plenty of that. More Renegade splash. Yeah. Once uh, again. We get... Uh, Dave Sullivan giving a fan a a bunny, and yeah, there's there's the bunny, and then he the fan then passes it along to Kimberly to the Diamond Doll, aka the Diamond Doll. Yeah, but of course DDP catches on, and uh, yeah. Didn't he, like, destroy it? He, like, ripped its head off, didn't he? Am I yeah. making that up? Yeah, no, he, he like, rips it up. It's like a, it's like a fake, like, stuffed rabbit. Uh, we get, uh, <laughs> like, the, they're gearing up for Dave Sullivan versus DDP, right? And mm-hmm. I think DDP suggests a rabbit on a pole match at some point. But what, <laughs> what they ultimately settle on is an arm wrestling match. Because wrestling. And the rabbit is going to be on the line, and so is the diamond doll. Basically, if DDP wins, he gets he gets the rabbit. And if Dave Sullivan wins, he gets a date with the diamond doll. And they're going to go see the Lion King if he wins. Because wholesome. Uh. That made me realize how long ago 1995 was. <laughs> <laughs> Or how old the Lion King was. Yeah. Maybe both. Yeah, some some of these broadcasts have the commercials still, you know, kind of cut with them. And it's just, it's really, I just, it's that gif of of Tim Allen aging like a hundred years in a second in the Santa Claus. Where it's like they're doing commercials for Richie Rich, now out on VHS. I skipped through the commercials, to be honest. <laughs> I was trying to get through these. These I, ones that go like an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah, they were. They yeah, were that's long. why I would like kind of like cut through some of the squash matches. Yeah, like it's it really doesn't matter. We know who wins. <laughs> yeah, there's no know that the renegade was gonna win. I, I had a good feeling. What uh, did uh, you know? When you when you fast forward, you can kind of see what's happening. So you get right to the end, and then you know who wins. I mean, to be fair, Renegades matches aren't ever very long. So, yeah, I mean, there's not even that much to fast forward through. So, we get... Uh, I have a note here that says, Call Kenny Loggins, Ric Flair is in the danger zone. Was that, uh, Heenan? Huh? Was, was that, that, uh, Heenan that said that? You know, I don't, I don't think so. 
I, I don't think Heenan said that, but I think I was just, I don't know, I was probably just fresh off watching some Archer. Okay. Yeah. I, I always say that because I remember one of the weeks I made a note that Heena was just on fire. Just his commentary, it's... He was so good. Yeah, there's... I mean, again, that's one of the highlights of all this is having it... You know, having Bobby Heenan on commentary. Yeah, it's How can it's we get pretty, to... Sorry. No, it's... It, I was just going to say, it's pretty great. And we, we do get, in this week, some of the, uh, the Dungeon of Doom stuff. Kevin Sullivan in the cave... Yeah. And Warriors are gathering. The Warriors are gathering. And Kevin Sullivan will lead them from the Dungeon of Doom and will destroy Hulkamania. <laughs> the Master calls him the last remaining link to darkness. And at this point, I don't know, that sounds more like Manny Fernandez. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it was... Uh, the whole Dungeon of Doom stuff is great. I mean, it's just, it's bad, but it's great. I mean, there's so it, many... It, it's just fun. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it reminds me of, like, all those old, like, like, like Beastmaster and Red Sonja <laughs> and all those great, like, terrible movies. Or, like, like the old, like, live-action Kevin Sorbo, Hercules... Yeah, exactly. It has it has that vibe to it. And it's just yeah. it's fun and it's silly and I love that they treat Hulkamania as like more than just like like a catchphrase. Yeah. It's like it's like an actual like disease sickness. or something that people get. Yeah, it had its own entity. It it's such a weird thing and it really is like Leith, I think you hit the nail on the head. It really is just like just it, it really reeks of like that sort of made-for-TV fantasy kind of kind of shtick, but on a much much lower budget. Like this is something that could have been cool on a WWF budget, but WCW definitely didn't have didn't have the financial resources to make this better. They could have at least had a better craft person to do props and stuff. <laughs> I'm I sure they could they could have done better. I think what they have is just fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we get uh, Alex Wright versus Ric Flair in the in the main event. Oh, I do have notes on him becoming Berlin, which oh. is later on and then the wall is his bodyguard. Yep. But then you see, like, later, the wall will be in WWF, but Berlin couldn't transfer because of his Time Warner contract. Mm. So he got basically screwed out of going to WWF and eventually went home from there. Well, dang. Yeah. Yeah. That could have been interesting in... In the WWE. So, Flair versus Wright actually wasn't a bad match. Wright was getting in some 
pretty decent offense, but Flair ultimately gets the win, and we close out with Savage beating up Ric Flair. So I believe we're on the next week of WCW Saturday night. Leith, hit us with some results. All right. Uh, We got Flying Brian defeating Romeo Valentino. Uh, Flying Brian is less flying and more grounded still. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Harlem Heat defeats Tommy Tanner. Todd Zing, what is this? I can't even like read the the notes you sent me so for this. <laughs> it's it, it the the first guy's name is Tommy Tan. Like it's really weird because of how low quality <laughs> the audio is, and these guys don't get like name plates or anything. Oh, okay. The, the first guy's so name he... is definitely Tommy Tanner, and the second guy's name is either Todd Zing or Todd Zane. It was gotcha. really hard to hear. As I was like, wait, what does that mean, Zing Zane? Yeah. <laughs> um, Bader defeats Eddie Jackie. Dave Sullivan defeats Butch Long. Arn Anderson defeats Ron Thompson. I, I like how in all of these you pretty much just recognize one name. Yeah. Uh, Paul Orndorff defeats Barry Houston. Road Warrior Hawk defeats Manny Fernandez. Sergeant Craig Pittman defeats Chris Sawyer. God, there's a lot. Blue Bloods versus the Nasty Boys for the WCW World Tag Team Championships goes to a no contest. Harlem Heat interferes. Fun stuff. Yeah, fun stuff. There is a lot of matches in this. I think this might have been. Yeah, I think this might have been one of the two-hour ones. Most likely. Yeah, (laughs) it would have had to have been, and it was. It's not... Again, I think the big highlight here is the Dungeon of Doom. Yeah, that stuff's so fun. Yeah. we, You know, they tease that there's a heavyweight with strong ties to the dark side. And Kevin Sullivan, the immortal Hulk Hogan, is already represented all over the world. And in this one final step, take the final step. To become the Taskmaster. He's no so longer... Ridiculous. What? It's so ridiculous. It, it is. He He's no longer Kel- Kevin Sullivan. He is the Taskmaster. And he will crush the immortal Hulk Hogan. It is etched in stone. And they I love ma- how he just, like... like he'll, He just vanishes for a second and comes back with, like... It's Kevin Sullivan with makeup. Yeah. <laughs> it's still just Kevin Sullivan, but now he's got, like, lightning bolts for eyebrows. And then he talks funnier. Yeah. <laughs> it's... And they make a point to, like, really kind of show, like, okay, this is really, you know, the 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 evil Earth 2 Hulk Hogan. Because Hulk Hogan wears the yellow and red, brother. And Kevin Sullivan is <gasps> red and yellow. And they are, oh boy. This is, it's not great. I mean, it's fun. It's, it's <laughs> fun and it's bad and it's just, it's it's got all the makings of a type of movie that would be riffed on MST3K. Yeah. 
And a little bit of, like, Dungeons and Dragons to it, too. Yeah. I will say that it had a... I don't want to say refreshing taste, but it had a different taste to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's it's something different that uh, WCW was doing compared to literally everything else. I mean, it, you figure at this point, WCW, story-wise, there is almost no stories. Like, it's all just whatever Hogan wants and when he appears. Well, a lot of the so, Dungeon of Doom stuff wasn't even something Hogan wanted. No, that's what I mean. Like, yeah. it's like, there's an actual story here, so it makes it more interesting in comparison to, like, squash match number 13. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it, I mean, it, it, it Waiting was, on Hogan to appear and do something, you know? Yeah, it, it was an interesting way to try to keep Hulk Hogan fresh. And um, so he didn't actually have to be on TV. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it works for him, right? Yeah. So... Uh, we get Dave Sullivan versus uh, Butch Long, and I think this is uh, where uh, Travis was referring to, like, Bobby Heenan just being on fire on commentary, because he says here that uh, that Dave Sullivan is about as sharp as a sack of wet mice. And that's it. that's probably just one of the greatest things I've ever heard. It's just so colorful and witty, quick, and... Yeah. But uh, Dave Sullivan, because the whole joke is he's he's dyslexic, folks, so his finisher is an inverted bear hug. I gotta say, that was the first time I've ever seen that. Just ever. That (laughs) I mean, if if you had to pick, Travis, which is worse... Savio Vega's weird abdominal stretch or the inverted bear hug, which... Define worse. So, which would you which would you rather have to be put in? Oh, goodness. Um... That's really difficult, because <laughs> I don't know if Savio was actually, like, cranking on anything. I uh, I think I remember it. It was, like, a octopus stretch variation, but he had, like, both feet on the ground, and it was... You don't have your weight on the other person when you do that. Yeah. And just various things like that. As far as the inverted bear hug, I think that could be more believable. Like, I can picture that actually being at least more so uncomfortable than whatever that that Savio did. (laughs) Okay. So it's really a toss-up of... I will take a stretch muffler any day. By that, I mean I will give a stretch muffler any day. <laughs> stretch mufflers for days. Yes. Come on down to my stretch muffler emporium. <laughs> Our prices are crazy. <laughs> 
due to a shipping error, you have too many stretch mufflers. <laughs> yes, I'm just handing them out. <laughs> These prices can't be beat, but you can. So... <laughs> I gotta write that down. There you go. <laughs> That's a shirt right there. Uh, so, I, I think one of the other bits here, you know, Arn Anderson is darn near getting into some shoot territory because he basically calls out the renegades saying the only reason you're getting this shot is because of Hulk Hogan. Which I think is a pretty decent jab at Hogan. And one of the other things is we get Paul Orndor... Ugh, I can never say his name right the first time. Orndorff. Paul Orndorff versus Barry Houston. And this is one of those moments where it's just like he loves suplexing people into turnbuckles. And it's just... Oh, that was disgusting looking. Yeah. Oh, I'd love it. And that wasn't even like the first time. in the best way. Yeah. I remember... So, right before we went to uh, Fastlane, I was catching up on Shakara, and I watched, I think it was, Season 18, The Edge. And I watched the Last Man Standing match with Fire Ant. And I think it was Frightmare? Yeah. And I watched that match, and I watched Fire Ant suplex him onto that chair... And that, that's probably the only time I've ever watched Shakara and been like, that's disgusting. Like, it was just, I, I was blown away by how, I mean, there's no way that was, I mean, I, I can't even, I'm speechless watching this. Right? I, I think that the, the big one for me with, Chikara was a dark match, El Generico versus one two three kid, the brain buster on like the top rope, like turnbuckle. That was that was disgusting. I always think of uh I always think of the clip, it was either Icarus or Akuma who gave a who headbutted someone and just it was skull to skull and made such a disgusting thud noise. Oh man. Was it Tazawa that used to do that too? Ooh. Uh, he'd call for the, the silence and then he would do the headbutt and it would just like was that echo. Too? I thought so. I'm not sure. I, definitely it was that was it was definitely the first time I saw Tazawa that happened. I'm just trying to remember if it was him specifically. I, but I, I have headbutts a, are sick. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have a friend who. I have an appreciation for headbutts. Excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a I have a friend who's a professional wrestler, uh, Gavin Knott. Shout out to Gavin. And we went to. We went to a convention uh, a couple weeks ago, and I ran into him, and I was telling him about that that spot with Fire Ant and Frightmare, and I told him, you know, how 
how this happened, like what the move was and everything. And he was just like, "Oh, that's gross. That that just ruined my day. Why would you tell me that?" And it's like, yeah, these these suplexes from Paul Orndorff, like onto the the rod of the turnbuckle like that, like yeah, that's just yeah, like or- the vertical suplex onto the top turnbuckle. Oh, I love Orndorff. I, I I was disappointed he didn't get the uh, the cheat win, but you know these things happen. Sometimes the ref actually catches you. Yeah, it was. That was just a weird, gross spot. And like again, it's not even like the first time he's done that. Like he's just out there trying to injure rookies. That just doesn't seem right. So, the only other note, couple notes I have here is they kind of tease Buff Bagwell as a pretty boy, which I I think is kind of interesting just because he goes on to be part of the American Males. And Lee, if you talked about it, we get uh, we get the Blue Bloods versus the Nasty Boys, and they put they put William Regal in the pit stop. He is a gentleman. How could you? It it was it was great. He's so good at those spots, though. Just that facial expression is so good. Like not not many people can like take like those like gross spots and and really give you a good reaction. But Regal yeah. does it yeah. perfectly every time. <laughs> and he really makes does. the most out of it too. You know, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of tendency to have a reaction and. Maybe underutilize it, not to get too uh, too much in the psychology here, but uh, he took it and it it clearly affected him, and it didn't seem like he was just being whatever. Yeah, yeah, it didn't it didn't have that acting feel to it. Yeah, yeah. Just do it and stop, you know quick note is that I finally figured out who the jacket was earlier. And uh, who was that? Sergeant Craig Pittman's opponent, Chris Sawyer. Okay. He had a... His entrance jacket was like this gold sequiny. It was very very 90s. Yeah, that sounds about right. So, uh... So that's the mystery jacket for Jethro. Okay. <laughs> this is important, is what that yes, is. Yes, because I did make a note of it. Yeah. Look, entrance fashion is very important. You wanna you wanna get across your character in the couple minutes or seconds that you got to the ring. The fact that I made a note of it even before I knew that was a question, like, yeah, it's important. Yeah. <laughs> so. We move on to the Great American Bash. Uh, the results of that are we get Alex Wright beating Brian Pillman. We get uh, Dave Sullivan beating Diamond Dallas Page in the arm wrestling contest. Jim Dugan, Hacksaw Jim Dugan, excuse me, uh, beating Sergeant Craig Pittman via DQ. Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry defeating Dirty Dick Slater and Bunkhouse Buck with Colonel Robert Parker and Ming by their side. 
get the Renegade beating Arn Anderson for the WCW World Television Championship. The Nasty Boys defeating the Blue Bloods to retain the WCW World Tag Team Championships. Sting beating Ming with Colonel Robert Parker for the vacant WCW United States Heavyweight Championship. And Ric Flair defeating Randy Macho Man Savage with Angelo Poffo. So we covered this in long form on our premium episode. Everybody, please go check that out. Again, that can be yours for only $2.50. And it's worth watching, if nothing else, for the absolute insane home run that Ric Flair hits. Uh, and Dirty Dick Slater's awesome wolf shirt. <laughs> which, at this very moment, is probably likely hanging in Baron Corbin's closet. You're probably not wrong. Yeah. Travis, do you got any notes on, on the Great American Bash? A few random things here and there. Uh, I don't know if it was this was Heenan or if it was Flair, but someone made a comment about how Savage should have beat up his dad just for being his father. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like something Heenan would say. Yeah, again, Heenan was fire all, during just all of this. Yeah. This um, all the stuff with Dave Sullivan, I was... He had a promo before the arm wrestling thing, and he was already sweaty, and I didn't understand why. <laughs> uh, but might anyway, have been training with the, the kids at the uh, park beforehand. Yeah. Maybe, but... Uh, going on with the lack of story and everything all month. Like, I did genuinely want to see this date with uh, Sullivan and uh, the Diamond Gal. I I sincerely wanted him to win. Okay. Uh, DDP does not treat her nicely in, in, in this. No, and Dave Sullivan's just like Lenny from... Uh, uh, Grapes of Wrath? No. No, what was the story? Of Jordan? Mice and Men. Mice and Men. Okay. Yeah. Like, I just wanted the pull for him. Uh, I do not like Pitbull at all. Um, he was working over his leg and then beats him with... Or then he puts on an armbar. Just didn't make sense to me. If your move is an armbar, you should be attacking their arm. Yeah. Just saying. Where's the logic in that? Um. <laughs> as always, I love everything with Regal. He, uh, during his promo, he called the Nasty Boys a couple gutter snipes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I think one of my my favorite bits here is during the Great American Bash. The Blue Bloods are actually their weights are built in stone. Yes. Uh, Lord Stephen Regal is billed as 18 stone, 2 pounds, which translates to 254 pounds. 1 stone equals 14 pounds. And Earl Robert of Eaton is billed at 17 stone, 1 pound, 239 pounds. And I just, I love that somebody in WC, because this is like pretty much pre-internet. Somebody in WCW's back office had to figure out, like, what that conversion was. 
Well, it's a good thing they had a calculator. Yeah. Bob Backlund wouldn't allow that in his office. Uh, also, in the Blue Bloods match, there was a sign, I think, in the front row that said, Bloody Good Wallop, Sir. <laughs> yes, I remember that one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Flair had a ridiculous co- promo. He talks about how he took his wife back in 92. Yeah, that was... That was uh, pretty... I mean, it wasn't necessarily shocking, but, I mean, it was just like... Oh, this it got is... a reaction. Yeah. Uh, let's see. It didn't really make sense to me that Sting won with, like, the jumping DDT and not the Scorpion Deathlock. I didn't really understand that. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I don't know. Like, that's another thing that didn't make sense to me. And then, uh... Flair had his red trunks on. I was really expecting him to lose. I really thought that was the thing, where anytime he wore red, he had a big loss. Huh. I, I've never heard that. I know there was a... There's this thing floating around with some of his big losses. Like, I think he had a big loss against uh, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, a couple other big losses in his career. I think his retirement match, he wore red. Hmm. I always thought his retirement match was in blue for some reason. You might be right. Hmm. Let me uh, see. It's just one of those things, I think I heard an inkling of something somewhere, uh, but I remember that there was something to do with the color of his gear. Hmm. Yeah, his retirement match at, at WrestleMania with Shawn Michaels was in blue. Yeah. Yeah, huh. you're right. Yeah, but that that is interesting. I've never heard that. Uh, I'm going to have to look it up at some other point. I really think there was a thing somewhere about it. Hmm. Either way, I was surprised by it. Yeah, I mean, that's that's... Interesting. I never, I'd never heard that, but that that is really interesting. So we had, uh, we again, we covered WCW the Great American Bash. Please check out our premium content to hear that in long form and hear us riff that whole event live. And Leith, what happened on the last week of WCW Saturday Night? All right, so we got the Renegade beating. You have John. Forte and John Putter down here. Yeah, again, <laughs> jobbers, no nameplate, and the audio quality. Yeah, my notes actually yeah. just say jobber, so yeah. I didn't even have a name. And and the thing is about WCW Saturday Night is there are not a lot of great records available for like what right. the what the results actually were. So I was just going off what I thought I heard. It was either Forte or Putter, and I couldn't well, find. You know, anything online. All right. And this is like the one show I can't put the closed captions on. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I usually can get the names because I have to watch with the CC up, so I just... Yeah, no, I have no idea. So uh, we got Johnny B. Bad defeating Julio Sanchez. Alex Wright defeats Butch Long. Diamond Dallas Page defeats Chris Canyon. Road Warrior Hawk and Sting defeat Harlem Heat with Sister Sherry. 
Any any notes on this last week of WCW Saturday night? Uh, mean Gene wore a Hawaiian shirt during one segment. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, Bash at the uh, Beach. I got a kick out of that. Yeah. There's uh, a there's a beach ball graphic, it looks like a screensaver, and there's a Hulk Hogan surfboard. Yes. Um and during the Harlem Heat match, Hawk took a pile driver that didn't affect him. <laughs> so I kind of just thought about all those uh, Jim Cornettes out there who like to talk about how modern people are destroying, destroying wrestling, and talking about Leah Rush taking a pile driver through a table and hopping up. It's like, no, this happened back in your day, too. Yeah. Just, just throwing that out there. Well, yeah, it's, like, funny how people tend to forget. Just, like, every era complains about the the next era. Yeah. Like, I remember even, like, back in the day when, like, I start really getting back into WWE, like, 2004. Everybody hated Triple H. He was, you know, always the champion, so he's the worst. And then John Cena took over, and then everybody hated John Cena instead, and Triple H was okay, so it's like, like, I don't know, people are silly. (laughs) It's this this really weird thing to have, like, I've met Jim Cornette once, he's he's an alright guy, and it was fun hearing some some really funny stories about Batista and Brock Lesnar and their developmental days, and BT-dubs, Brock Lesnar is absolutely a a bad person for the most part, Uh, but... Like, it's just, it's kind of silly for me to hear somebody like Jim Cornette kind of trash on comedy wrestling when he also managed Mantar. Like, I mean... And that was serious business. Yeah. Get it right. That's, mm, mm. There's nothing comedic about Mantar, even though I'm pretty sure I wore the same leotard for one of my dance recitals. The best part is listening to Bruce Pritchard defend Mantar and being like, because he talks about the occupational gimmicks and being like, yeah, no, so-and-so was actually a real plumber, so-and-so was actually a real goon, and, you know, Conrad will always be like, yeah, well, what about Mantar? Yeah, he was half man, half beast. His his feet were were actual hooves. And it's just like, yeah, he's half man, half beast, all baked potato. So, yeah, it's just, I, I think Travis hit the nail on the head. Like, it's just, this is something that's always been prevalent in wrestling. So. I, they, uh, Jim Cornette said my name once. That was pretty really? funny. Yeah. Uh, so he does his, he does his thing, you know, goes off and scratches off things. There's, there's a video where he kind of, goes down our previous pro wrestling day. He just goes down the card and it's pretty interesting his uh just some of the things he said. So he reads things like uh Ursa Minor in the night sky uh, defeats the proletariat boar of Moldovia uh so on and so forth. Next up, uh, Rory Gulak against Travis Huckabee. He goes on. is like, yeah, picture it. 
WrestleMania 35, Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Travis Huckabee. <laughs> I'd watch that match. I, I think he was talking about my name. Yeah. His, yeah. His test. Uh, next up, we got a tag team match with the Zyberhawks 2000 facing on a team of, I, I thought their name was Janelope. It's actually Janelope. <laughs> This guy from New Jersey who likes to fall through tables because he thinks it's fun. He's a... Jim Cornette is an interesting man. But I do have audio evidence that he's at least heard of me. (laughs) He at least knows who you are. He at least knows of my existence. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, yeah, I think I think one of the highlights of this of this whole week is we get uh, Bash at the Beach promos, and we get Hulk Hogan. He just goes to the inner city, and he's just I guess shocked that the kids don't know who Vader is, <laughs> and says we're gonna make Woodstock look like a backyard barbecue. <laughs> so that that was definitely something that happened. We get more Dungeon of Doom. Yes, we get more Dungeon of Doom. Kevin Sullivan has drank from the Goblet of Darkness. He feels his father's power. What gift will his father give him next? It's a new warrior that has crossed the burning sands of the Sahara Desert. A warrior who has slain the beast on the stones of Mount Kilimanjaro. From the deepest, darkest heart of the African continent, the Ugandan giant, Kamala. So, Kamala is now officially a member of the Dungeon of Doom. And I don't... Awesome. Yeah, I I don't know that Kamala actually does anything with the Dungeon of Doom. Like, he shows up, but I, I... don't know that they he actually wrestles or anything. We'll find out later. Yeah. Later. <laughs> later. <laughs> it is etched in stone. It is later. <laughs> etched in stone. No spoilers. Yeah. For something that's like how old now? <laughs> yeah. 20, no, don't tell me because I'll yeah. feel really, really old. Please don't spoil 23 years. <laughs> yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh darn it. I would have been 13 when this was happening. You can do the math if you feel like it. Don't (laughs) do the math. Don't have a calculator. Well, of course not. Bob Backlund said we're not supposed to have calculators. They're banned? We're not supposed to have calculators because we can't make you feel old. (laughs) That's why. That's why we're not allowed to have them. They are banished forever. Except so, I, I can have one since yeah. I know how old I am. Yeah. <laughs> and I need it from doing math. Closely guarded secret. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I guess one of the other things here is, you know, we get Chris Canyon versus DDP. And we all know who's who Canyon turns out to be. And I, 
I think one of the other fun things about Road Warrior Hawk and Sting versus Harlem Heat is we have a Road Warrior and a Blade Runner. So, science fiction for days. I just thought that was interesting. I thought Sherry's dive off the top was interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was also pretty interesting. She missed by about a good five. Sherry always tries, though. A for effort. I'm still looking for my costume. I've been checking thrift stores. One day, it'll happen. That'll be that'll be a heck of a cosplay. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just I'm going I'm scouring thrift stores for secret dresses and whether it inspires Sherry or Miss Elizabeth, one of those two is going to happen eventually. <laughs> one day. <laughs> so I think with that said, I think we can probably call this episode. Do we have any final thoughts on WCW? Or any final thoughts on this month as a whole as far as wrestling goes? Uh, I think I touched on this. I really had no interest to see much of anything with WWF. <laughs> with WCW, I was legitimately interested in the Dave Sullivan angle. I wanted to see how his date went. Uh, and then ECW, I think they were kind of the most interesting of the three. It's pretty standard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe not in a, as far as sheer technical wrestling, uh, perhaps not, but I don't know. No, but at least they, they, they do give you that. Like, it's not, I think I always avoided it because I thought it was, only the the more brutal, you know, hardcore deathmatchy type stuff, but it it's not. They do have some technical wrestling in there every once in a while. Malenko and Guerrero. Mm-hmm. That is pretty much one of the greatest matches I've ever seen. It it is fantastic match. Uh, I gotta say though, this was a really interesting experiment for me as far as studying and watching I uh I've never really isolated a chunk of time (laughs) and done this sort of commitment Uh, but I do have a new appreciation for certain people uh Arn Anderson for one yeah Uh, yeah I hadn't really bothered to look him out much before. Oh, it's funny. I would have would have thought he had been on your list. He wasn't one of, like, the top guys. I've got, like, yeah, World of Sport guys. I have my Malenkos and everything. But he wasn't like... So he's a new person I can check out. Well, Travis, I, I want to thank you for coming on, and I hope you had a good time. And I thank you for for just, I mean, diving right into this with us and and being willing to, you know, go through and watch some of this because some of this is really bad. Don't uh, watch. 
if if you're if you're listening, please don't watch during '95. <laughs> <laughs> you can look up Bob Backlund's promo. You do not have to watch King of the Ring '95. I mean, unless you're listening to it with our commentary. That's, That's fair. Yeah, with our premium episodes. Pay for the premium episode. You'll get a much better a much better experience. I promise you. <laughs> Absolutely will. That is that is the Travis Huckabee guarantee. So thank you again, Travis. And and where can people find you on the internets? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Uh, probably the best bets are Twitter or Instagram. You can find me at Travis underscore Huckabee. I've got a Facebook fan page. You can like me. I'll post pictures or videos on there every once in a while. Uh, you can find me in most Chikara things. Follow them uh, ChikaraPro.com Chikaratopia you get your free uh, or not free, you can get a free trial sign up for the subscription or you can follow them on Twitter, all of those at ChikaraPro um, if you're interested in training feel free to reach out to me I'll answer questions or you can find out more information the WrestleFactory.com uh, June 9th be wrestling in the Johnny Kid Invitational Tournament. Big technical tournament. It's going to be a lot of fun. Out of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Adventurecardtix.com. Um, trying to think of any more plugs. I think I ran through them all. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Liv, where can people find you on the internet? At Pariah underscore Lane on Twitter. And, and, Cobalt6.com for Goblin merch. Goblin they got merch. Mis- mystery bags and, and t-shirts, and you might see me wearing one of the t-shirts in a picture on the site. <laughs> that's it. That's okay. all I got. Sorry. Okay. No, that's cool. So you can I'm trying che- to think. <laughs> you can check out the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on Twitter. You can just search for us. Our handle is uh, W-R-E-S-T-L-T-I-M-M-A-C-H on Twitter. Uh, You can follow us there. You can also email the show, Machine at gmail.com. If you email the show, we uh, will answer your questions live on the air, like you heard Leith doing with questions from uh, various other Chikara wrestlers. And you can also follow the Wrestling Time Machine on Tumblr. You can follow me at Space King Bobby on Twitter. Follow uh, NerdFixStrangers.com for the other podcasts that I do, NerdFixStrangers and Pokemon Mind and Body. And please, if you're listening to us on iTunes, if you're listening to the Wrestling Time Machine podcast on iTunes, Leith, what should they do? I don't know. Leave a do review. Stuff. Oh, yeah, that. Do, do that thing. Yeah, do that thing. <laughs> Leave us a review. Because that, that helps us. That helps us get more visible and get more great guests like Travis on. So please check out the Wrestling Time Machine on our various uh, areas. You can also check us out on Facebook at the Wrestling Time Machine. So check that out. And I think with that... Oh, one last thing. Also check out AvetMakesThings.com 
for cool homemade wrestle buddies, badges, jewelry, comics, all sorts of great cool nerdy things. Check out eventmakesthings.com. So I think with that, I think we can finally say it's been a show. Happy Wednesday. <laughs> yeah. It's Wednesday. No, it's not. Shut up. Yeah, it is. It's Wednesday. It's Wednesday for another half hour. I don't believe you. It's Thursday. You can't change time. I can, too. (laughs) It's Wednesday. Don't test me, boy. Get to your room. (laughs) Wrestle mom laying down the law. Go Wednesday. Ugh. Alright, bye everyone. (laughs) Deep beneath McDonald's, your favorite characters from the movie Batman Forever are being captured in high-quality chiseled glass. Take a break for the Gotham Glassware Collection. Just 99 cents each when you buy any extra value meal or any other food purchase.